Welcome to the Freshman Foundation Podcast, helping you make the jump from high school athletics to the collegiate level and beyond with your host, Michael Huber. Hey everyone, I'm Mike Huber, founder and CEO of the Freshman Foundation. You're listening to the Freshman Foundation podcast, a podcast geared specifically toward the transition process for high school athletes who are seeking to compete at the college level. Today, I have two guests from College Sports Advisors, Mark DeSalvo, who is a partner and director of business development, and Sam Scharf, who is a partner and director of baseball operations. Sam is one of the co-founders of CSA. He has seven years of experience guiding families through the baseball recruiting process. He fully understands client management and how to best serve a student-athlete to achieve their individual goals. And Mark is a co-founder of College Sports Advisors as well. He has been intimately involved in sports recruiting for the last six years, guiding his sons, friends, and extended family through the process. He can offer a unique perspective on the parent experience and looks forward to helping guiding future CSA athletes and their families. And with that, I'd like to welcome Sam and Mark to the podcast. Guys, how's it going? Thanks for having us, Mike. We really appreciate you carving out some time for us and uh, excited to have this conversation today. Thank you both for being here. I, I was telling Doug uh, before that uh, uh, stepping up in class a little bit because I've got two guests instead of one. So um, <laughs> if I sound like I don't know what I'm doing, I probably don't, but that's okay. We'll figure it out as we go. So CSA, why don't you tell for the listeners, you, either one of you could take it or both if you want. Uh, why don't you tell the list, listeners about College Sports Advisors and what it is that you guys do on a day-to-day basis? Sure. So day-to-day Client management is at the forefront of what we bring to the table. For me, it's really important to have that relationship with all of our players and the families and open door policy. They can you know, reach out to us by a call, text message, email, whatever most convenient for them to make sure that we're addressing certain pieces of, of their journey as a student athlete through the recruiting process and it can entertain things from player development you know strength coaches running coaches hitting coaches to academic questions as far as sat act prep and test dates so we attack it from a a wide variety of, of different elements and just make sure that our players have a plan and that you know we really serve as that sounding board for them as they go through this process and make good decisions I'm a big believer that you take care of the little things and the big things will take care of themselves. And we want to hit on those things on a daily, weekly basis and ensure that our clients, you know, futures are being looked after and that we can achieve the big things in the recruiting process as we get to that point with each player. Mark, you got anything? I think for me, it's, um, you know, having been through it twice with my two boys, the whole recruiting process, you know, I learned a lot through the process. And when we finally got to the end, it was two things. It was a big relief and it was a huge accomplishment. So it was very fulfilling in that way because my boys, they followed their dream and they they achieved their goals. And to be part of it now, I look at it a little bit differently than Sam. Sam's more of a day-to-day guy dealing with the kids, communicating with them on a regular basis. You know, I try to keep the big picture in mind, you know, growing company, getting the right people involved, dealing with it from a parent's perspective. I speak a lot with the parents and, you know, I, I relay what I went through compared to what they're going through currently. So I think, again, you know, when Sam and I were paired up, maybe I'm jumping a, a little ahead here, but we were introduced through mutual baseball people. They said between, you know, Sam's experience in, in the business and then your experience as a parent, you know, if you guys got together, there wouldn't be a question you wouldn't be able to answer in regards to recruiting. And it's kind of worked out that way. No, that's that's great. It, it's, it's interesting because that's a, that was where I was going to go next. So you're both you're both Jersey guys, is that right? And I am a uh, adopted Jersey guy myself. So we have three Jersey guys on the phone or on the call. And so how, how did you, can, you, can you tell a story about how you came together and sort of like the story of just from when you met to till now where you're, you know, operating at full speed? Sure. So I worked on Wall Street for 30 plus years, you know, had a, had a very good career, made money, it's fine. Wasn't very fulfilling though, I have to tell you at the end of the day, you know, I did for the money. I'll be, I'll be perfectly honest with you. And so- I guess it was about two, two and a half years ago, sitting on the beach in Long Beach Island with my wife, week one of a two week vacation on the beach, which we kind of started to do every year. And I said to her, that's it. You know, I'm not going back. Nothing happened. There was no, you know, change. I hadn't even really thought about it until that time. I just said, I'm, I'm 
I'm looking to do something else. And I said to her, I'm going to take a year off, not going to work. And I'm going to think about working and then hopefully something will happen and find my way and I'll, I'll get back into the workforce. Sure enough, during that time, you know, I started talking to people because my passion really at that point was being around baseball, you know, helping my kids through the recruiting process. My younger guy, Patrick, I guess was just going into his senior year. So we were kind of wrapping up, you know, his recruitment and going to his hitting lessons, where he worked out, you know, team practices. I got to meet a lot of people in the baseball world. And there were two guys, Baram and Nunzio at RPP, which is a training facility in North Jersey, baseball specific for the most part. They said to me, you know, you really should get into this recruiting business. Uh, You've done it yourself. You, you, you know your way around and I have the perfect guy, you know, to introduce you to. He's currently working within the industry, but make him the right sort of an offer. It would be a great business opportunity for both of you. And sure enough, Sam and I met Starbucks here in Englewood a couple different times, talked about it. We had a real clear vision as to how we wanted to do it if we move forward. And sure enough, you know, College Sports Advisors was, was born and we've been off to the races ever since. How long ago was it when you were first introduced? March of this year. So Mark and I, as he said, through, through mutual friends, you know, we uh, got a chance to sit down and have a conversation and, and really liked the vision that he had for what has now become CSA. And we were thinking agreement on a lot of the big ticket items from the get-go and made it really intriguing and, and something that I thought had a, had a great opportunity to grow. And, and certainly from a, a player perspective, uh, I've been fortunate to be around, you know, great players and families, you know, for over 10 years in the baseball space and felt like, you know, we could come up with something and a service that could continue to help players and families, you know, through a very tough, you know, time in their careers. It's really the, the first time that they start to hear no and uh, have to deal with some setbacks and some stressors that come along with recruiting. And we want to be there for them and make sure that we have a, a good strategy. And that at the end of the day, they find that perfect fit for their future. And that was the importance, number one, of, of getting into, you know, what CSA has become. And from there, we've, you know, certainly, I think, built out a great system and a network of people that are there to service our clients. And we're really just getting started. That's great. And I have to say, you know, with what you both just shared, I just realized that we have probably more in common than I even realized. So one, I have a son named Patrick. Two, I was in business for 20 years when I decided that I was going to leave and get into the mental performance coaching field like Mark. And I think three, like as you described, Sam, and I think this probably goes for both you guys, is I got into this because I want to help kids through the process, right? And I think that that's often the common denominator, right? You might love baseball. I do. Baseball is kind of my first love. And I think it's great that you guys are doing this. And I've seen a lot of activity on social media and stuff, which is kind of how I got alerted to what you guys we're doing. And I'll, I'll ask you more about that. So I'll kind of put that on hold. But I did want to ask you first about the model, the business model, right? So in my prior life, I spent some time in real real estate. And when I was kind of researching the company, you guys have like kind of a player management approach, right? Which is kind of almost like in real estate terms, which a lot of people may not understand this is that you only represent the tenants and not the landlords, right? You're not doing both sides of the fence. You're only representing the players and their families, which it sounds like might be a little bit different than other services that are representing both organizations or coaches and the teams and the players. Is that a fair characterization of, of the model? That's very fair, as a matter of fact. And and when Sam and I initially met, I said, you know, because he, w- he was at a job that they, they had their hands in a lot of different things. You know, so in the summer, Sam was coaching teams. Then they had a, you know, a facility where they trained, you know, they ran showcases. And I, and I just said to Sam, listen, if I, if I want to do, if we're going to do this together, I just want to focus on the player. Like if, it, if a kid is currently playing for a great, you know, baseball organization, I don't see any need to rip them away from that, right? If he's comfortable there and he's performing well there, that's good enough for me. If he's training at a facility and and we're seeing improvement, hitting with an instructor or pitching with a pitching instructor and they're they're improving every year, then we're not going to change anything. You know, we're not going to make change just to have change. So my, my feeling was, let's just focus on the advisory part. Let's be player management company and take these kids, you know, from the minute they sign up until the minute they commit. And just be all in with that player and that family. And I think it's a really good formula. And we're seeing, you know, great success already in a, in a short period of time. I love that. Yeah. The one thing I would just tack on to that is, you know, we're obviously here to advise players and families through the recruiting process. But for us, it's really important to take a holistic approach to that. I think oftentimes, you know, people in our industry, they get locked in on the end goal 
there's so many pieces and layers of this process that have to be addressed. You know, I look at one of our players right now, he's one of our first clients and he came on board with us at the outset in June of 2020. He wasn't quite ready to jump into the recruiting process. We saw, you know, some, some good skill, you know, we got an opportunity to work out with him on the field and, and like some things and thought there would be an opportunity as he progressed from a developmental standpoint to then attack the recruiting process. But, you know, one of the first conversations we had with the player and families, we're not going to talk about, you know, schools and coaches for five months, right? So here's a recruiting advisor talking about no schools and coaches for five months, but we put together a plan of, Hey, these, these are the things that need to get addressed. Here's a running coach. Here's a strength and conditioning facility. Here's a hitting coach. And to the family, you know, kids credit, they listened. He's a diligent worker. He's he, very dedicated student athlete. He's done a great job in the classroom as well. And, you know, we look here, you know, six months, seven months later, and he's starting to garner some interest in the recruiting process. He trusted, trusted the process, but it's really about having a plan and an approach to it and just not saying, hey, yeah, let's start to attack, you know, schools, right? There's a timing for each player, and that's why we have to be very specific and look at it through the individual eyes of where this player is and just not saying, hey, here's a 12-step plan. Every kid is going to have different opportunities and different things as they walk through this. So it's really important that we nail that from the outset and have that open dialogue with the family. So in order to achieve those things, though, you need to have the relationships within the baseball world. The, the RPP, you know, baseball facility in Paramus is a great opportunity in Bergen County. We've got other places, you know, up and down the East Coast. You know, we've got clients now as far north as Albany, you know, the Jacksonville, Florida region. So being able to have resources for them in their neighborhoods is something that we really pride ourselves on and being able to create those relationships so that they can take their game to the next level. And then obviously it's going to have a profound impact on the recruiting process. I think there are a lot of things that you just described that kind of line up with what it is that I do in mental performance coaching, right? Some concepts that we might talk about, you know, process over outcome, right? Setting goals and having a growth mindset, right? It's not where I am today. It's where I'm going to get to, right? And in order to do that with any athlete, particularly young athletes, they've got to buy into that, right? They've got to buy into this is what I'm selling, right? I'm telling you, don't worry about the schools. They'll come if you do the work. So can you just kind of talk about how those conversations go in terms of letting them know, hey, honestly, this is where you stand. This is what you need to work on. And if you do these things, this is where we're going to get you to versus like, oh, I need an offer today or I want to commit and I don't really care about all this other stuff. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, sure. I mean, we tell everybody we don't have a magic pill. There, there is no secret sauce here. So for me, it's a situation where I think families have great intentions. They just don't understand some of the resources they have at their disposal. And it's about connecting those dots and giving them the resources to get bigger, get stronger, make swing adjustments, get faster, because those are going to, like I said, have a profound impact on the recruiting process. So for me, it's about opening those doors and then it's on the player to take advantage of it. You know, I tell this to our, our clients all the time. Mom and dad have the easiest job. They got to, obviously, there's the affordability of all these different entities. They got to be the taxi driver oftentimes for the kids before they get their, their license. Right? They got to get them from, you know, strength coach to the hitting place to the team practice, you know, and, and so on. Uh, we have the next easiest job because we can do it sitting sitting behind a desk. Obviously, we put a lot of, a lot of miles on the car, a lot, a lot of time spent on the road and, and going to games, but it's pretty easy compared to what our players players have to do and we talk about that lifestyle all the time and, and the decisions that they make Monday through Sunday you're going to have consequences if you put the work in you're going to see growth in your game if you you know don't then there's going to be you know negative consequences so they got to buy in and they, they got to get to the gym three to four times a week they have to you know see their running coach twice a week they have to hit you know three to four times a week so there's sacrifices that have to be made obviously you know they have friends and, and you know different people in their circle that you know don't quite have the same goals that you want to achieve at the same level and that's okay there's nothing wrong with that there's nothing wrong with the guy who wants to be a high school baseball player but if you want to play at the college level these are the requirements this is the lifestyle that you need to enroll in and if guys are serious about it and they want to you know go forward with that they're going to get better and they're going to see the results yeah i'd like to ask you about that a little bit more about just from a parent perspective right so like similar to what it is that I do, right? Parents are the ones that are have to, are writing the check for whatever it is, service they're bringing to the table, right? Value added. I mean, there's so many great resources out there, but at the same time, 
that comes with the expectation that there are going to be some results in the middle of that, right? There's mom and dad, there's CSA. And in the middle, there's the kid, right? There's only so much that we can do as coaches and advisors to get them to where they want to go. So like, how does that conversation go with parents when you're talking to them about like, this is what we can do, but this is junior's responsibility as well. And if he doesn't fulfill that responsibility, like at a certain point, it's not on us, it's on him. I mean, I Again, I don't want to characterize it in that way necessarily, but like, how does that go in the conversation? Well, you know, it's interesting that, you know, Sam devised a, an evaluation for, for all of our players. And, and that's kind of what separates us from everybody else as well. So on day one, when somebody reaches out to CSA and says, you know, they potentially might want to work with us, you know, we'll ask some questions. We'll have a phone conversation with the player and the family. Then we'll set up an evaluation where we actually see the kid play. We just came back from Connecticut today doing that. So at that evaluation, nine times out of 10, get a good feel for who that player is. Obviously, you know, we'll ask about grades. We'll ask about different goals that the family might have educationally. We'll, we'll assess the baseball part, right? We'll look at the kid physically. We'll see how he hits. We'll see how he runs. We'll see how he plays in the field. Sam and I then will have a little side conversation, discuss what he sees versus what I see. But I defer to Sam's decision on that 100% of the time. But we'll have a quick conversation about the kid. And then based on what we see, then we can kind of see at that time where that kid fits in. Now, we'll have a conversation about what we think that kid needs to do to get to that next level if that's you know if he's not quite there yet and most kids aren't and we'll we'll line all that out you know we'll put that all out there the things that this kid will need to do in order to get to that college baseball career and if we feel as though the family's bought in then we can move forward but we get a lot of well I can't get him there or he's not really all in and he he plays basketball in the winter and he does this and that and like if we start hearing excuses then we kind of know what we're dealing with you know, we'll either lower the bar, the expectations and the actual, you know, college results, or, you know, we'll just, we'll just walk away from it. So, and I'll let Sam talk a little bit more about that and how that all works. Yeah. I would say nine times out of 10, when you lay out what actually goes into, you know, the lifestyle, as we refer to it as, it's going to take care of itself right there in that initial conversation, you know, a player and a family will go home and, you know, they'll, they'll call back, you know, seven to 10 days later and say, Hey, I just don't think it's a fit. And that's fine. Like I said, there, there's no, no hard feelings. We certainly understand that this is not for everyone, but we want to be around guys that have a passion. For me, it's really important that, as you said earlier, guys are bought in because we can only do so much, right? At the, at the end of the day, obviously we're taking on a responsibility of helping kids and families through this process, but we're handicapped. So we need the right guys on the bus and, uh, for me, that's really important. And we want to set, you know, the tenor of this relationship from day one and what the expectation is for all parts, mom, dad, kid, and us. Obviously, we have certain things that, you know, we need to deliver on. We're not going to be in the gym. We're not going to, you know, be in the cage. But, you know, I mean, we saw 150 games, maybe more. Probably should get an official count on that. But at least 150 games from July 4th through the end of October, you know, across six different states. during. So uh, we're going to put it online every day and give our energy and effort to our players. That's our, you know, that's us checking the box. You know, for players, it's going to be a little different. Like I said, they have the hardest job, but they need to bring that to the table. And we're going to do everything we can to give them attainable things, too. And that's where relationships and communication come in. It's not, you know, look, when you're at the college level, I don't want to say it's easy, but all the guys are on campus, right? You have, everybody's got the same resources. Everybody's got a similar schedule. You're dealing with 35 different families, different situations. You know, mom and dad both work or, hey, mom can get player to a, you know, to a facility three times a week. So you have to be – adaptability is huge for us, right? You can't – the same plan doesn't work for every kid, right? You know, one of the things that we talk about with our guys all the time is how precious time is, right, and time management and hitting on those things. For us to be responsible, though, is we can't give them things that we know aren't attainable. Right. We're setting our kids up for failure. So if we know that, hey, it's not possible for them to drive 40 minutes to a facility, well, we might have to get them remote programming where they can work from home. If it's a situation where they only have four days to train, 
okay, hey, this kid's a good athlete. Let's not worry about the running part right now. He's a six nine runner. Let's focus on the strength. So you got to know each client, what their ability is as a family to achieve certain things and then prioritize based on where they are from a skill set perspective and put them in the best situation to be successful. And that's where communication and relationships you know, are paramount to be able to advise these people on what's best in their given situation. I mean, it's very similar to what I see in my practice and my personal philosophy as a coach, which is like, you can work out a kid in the gym, but until you see them on the field, you don't really know. Or till you see them outside of that environment, you don't really know. Like for me, like I can coach a kid on a Zoom or in a, in a, in a meeting and talk to them for 45 minutes and then go watch them on the field and see something completely different. Further, when they see you on the field, on the sidelines watching them, that you're committed to the process with them, that goes a long way to getting buy-in from a kid who says like, this guy cares enough about me to show up and get on a plane or get in the car. I stood in the rain today in a soccer game with three of my clients, you know, because that's, they need to know that I, I'm there for them, not only supporting them, but I'm watching to see what they're doing so we can use that information to get better. And I think one of the things that really struck me, and I mentioned this a couple of times, is I started following you guys on social media. I mean, you guys are literally we're at everything, you know, tournaments, games, or weekends, posting, you're all your guys really backing them up. I mean, I thought that that, I think that that's great. I mean, obviously it's great for your business in terms of generating exposure, but it's also great for the kids that you're help, trying to help. And they, in the world we live in with kids that we, you know, the kids in their world, social media exposure is not only good for what they're trying to accomplish as an athlete, but it's good for the, it's good for their egos, right? They like to be seen. They like to be recognized and to be able to do all of that and put in that effort, I think is speaks to what, what you all, both of you think about this process and your company and the kids that you coach and you advise. Yeah. I'm kind of new to the social media world. So I'm kind of trying to figure it out. You know, as an old guy who never really had to do that in his life. I find it kind of interesting. You know, Sam certainly helped me along the way there. And a lot of times, you know, I'd go to games and I'd get video and I would just send it to Sam because I, I didn't want to mess it up when I, when I posted it. So it's been very like eye opening for me too. And you know what? I appreciate how hard our guys work. Right. So I always wanted to be there to see them. You know, Sam and I would kind of split most of the summer. He would go to his games and I'd go to mine and you know we'd meet up at the end of the day and you know compare notes but i see how hard these guys work so i didn't want to miss an opportunity i wanted to get the at bats if the kid you know had a really good day or we had a pitcher on the mound who was having a really good day i you know we sacrificed a lot this summer i mean there was no place i'd rather be so it was great it worked out perfectly for me yeah also this i, I don't really know anything different you know, i graduated from penn state as a student assistant in, in 2013 and jumped right into amateur baseball really never had a job outside of baseball, so I'm kind of spoiled in that regard. So it's just another day in, in the summer for me. But uh, yeah, man, I agree with what Mark said. Our guys work hard. We want to match that, you know, as best as we can. I said, that, you know, I tell our guys all the time, you're not going not gonna to get in there and bench with you, that's for sure. Not going to get in there and, and, you know, prepare for the SAT with you. But, you know, we're going to give you the resources and then we're going to do our job. We're going to spend time editing video game tape for you so we can get it out to college coaches. I mean, obviously in this, what I'll say, strange recruiting cycle that this past summer and fall was with the dead period, you know, video became more important than ever. And, you know, we had, you know, especially some of our 2021s, you know, they would play and get all the, all the video and drive home and, and sit down right away and, you know, cut up an 80 pitch outing and, and get it out to college coaches that night. So for us, that's, you know, at the forefront of what we do, certainly when we get to that point in the recruiting process. So it's really important that uh, much like us, you know, we put on our kids to live the lifestyle. We have to do the same and make sure that, uh, you know, at that pivotal time of the year, summer, summer balls in full effect that uh, we're readily available and, and hitting on all cylinders so that we achieve what we need to for our players. Yeah, I think you raise a good point that kind of leads me kind of to the next question, which is not obviously, I don't want to say obvious because it might not be obvious to everybody that's listening, but the recruiting process is a little different because of what's going on. In general, baseball recruiting and any sport, and I'm learning this, I'm not expert in this by any means, every sport has a different timeline, has a different set of guidelines, right? So can you just talk about the typical baseball recruiting process? <laughs> I mean, however you want to handle that, right? Like, don't, you know, it's up to you, but... That's a loaded question right there. <laughs> I wasn't setting you up, I promise. It's different for, you know, every kid, really dependent on skill set. 
it's really hard, I think, to pinpoint and say this is the typical recruiting process. I mean, you look at in our sport right now, you have 2024s, which are high school freshmen that are committed, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, verbal commitment. Obviously, they don't get an opportunity to sign an NLI till November of their senior year. But that's a drastically different recruiting process than one of our guys, Chase Barley, who committed to Lafayette this summer, you know, heading into his as a rising senior. So different paths, different timing. I would say on the whole, and we'll speak in, in a generalities here, most of our guys that we're going to work with, they're going to see most of their recruiting activity during the summer between their junior and senior year. That's going to be kind of that sweet spot for most guys. There'll still be Division One schools recruiting within that cycle. Certainly Division Two and Division Three uh, will be evaluating and offering in that, you know, this summer, what will be that 2022 class. So that's typically, you know, a pretty important time across, you know, the recruiting calendar for players. Obviously, at the top of the landscape, top 25 programs, top 40 programs, they're going to recruit a little faster. And even across the Division One landscape, you'll start to see programs offer the beginnings of their class, usually in the fall of junior year. In a typical recruiting cycle when coaches are on the road, you have the perfect game WWBA underclass in Fort Myers, which is early on in October. And that's usually a, a you know pretty centralized recruiting weekend where you'll get some of those underclassmen getting offers before that to get them off the board before that national event or right after. So that usually kind of kicks off the timeline for, for most of those kids. But again, it's different paths, different, different timing for every player. Yeah. I, I learned that the hard way, you know, just, you know, spending time for two seasons with a high school team in New Jersey, I didn't really even understand that there were kids who were committing verbally as freshmen. And it's interesting. I had um, Elliot Glenn, who's the recruiting coordinator at Fordham and as assistant coach there. And I got to know Elliot a little bit while I was doing some work up there, but a uh, great guy was in the minor league system pitched at UConn. We talked about this exact subject. And he said, you know, pretty much what you said, which is those mid-major column D1s are going to wait as long as they can to see what a kid develops into if they can help it. Versus if you're a high division one, they are offering freshman, sophomore year because they want to get their hands on the kids and they can take more risk, right? So I just find that to be really interesting to see kind of how different schools do those things. And I'm sure it's something that you have to take into account with every kid that you're working with, like where do they fit in that scheme? No doubt. You know, right now for 2022s, we have a pretty good understanding of where their level of play is going to end up. Certainly, you know, 2024s, and we're working with two of those student athletes right now, it's a little murkier, right? We're, we're still trying to figure things out. This will be a, a pretty pivotal winter for those guys to see if they can make some of the adjustments, clean up their game a little bit, take that next step. You know, we got two pretty talented players in that class right now that we're excited about, but kind of making sure that they have an opportunity to have a really productive offseason, see them play some high school games for the first time, you know, this spring against, you know, their peers and some older guys and see how the speed of the game and different things start to translate from that, you know, 14U level that they've participated in a year ago and now into the varsity level. Both those guys will, will probably play varsity level baseball this spring if there is a season, hopefully. So that'll be a really good opportunity for us to kind of calibrate where they are at that point and then, you know, make some inroads as we head into the yeah. summer. It, it is interesting. I don't want to go off on a tangent with that, but I, just observing myself having been with a high school team, I watched one player in particular who was a rising, who's a freshman this year. So he played in the last dance tournament in New Jersey, watched him play as a freshman, was a catcher as a freshman and play at a high level. I think it's amazing to me how fast kids are developing. It's probably because of all these resources that they have, right? Year round work, lots of at-bats, personal instruction and that. But the way this kid carried himself and the way he performed against really high quality talent, who's upper class talent, it's amazing to me. Because when I was a ninth grader playing baseball, it wasn't like that. It was like you were a freshman playing freshman baseball. Now you got freshmen who are going in and competing very high at a high level against, you know, upper class, which is amazing to me. I'll tell you a funny story. When I when I was in Little League, you know, I was a catcher too. And you know, you played on the Little League small field. And when I tried out for the freshman baseball team in high school, I'd never been on a big field before. 
I didn't know that I had to throw the ball to second base, that it was that much further, right? So, you know, and then I look at my older son who was a catcher and he had a private catching instructor. They trained in the winter, you know, like, you know, pop times were like crazy, you know, it's just, it's different world. I played probably nine games in the summer. It was over. I think my kid played 50 games in the summer. It's just, a, it's, it's a different sport. It's a different world. So there are, I think the, obviously there are pros and cons to that, right? From a lot of different perspectives. I mean, athletes who are trying to be recruited at the highest level, reps are critical, right? And that's a good thing because the more reps you have, the better you're going to get. The more you practice, the more you're going to get better, right? But then there's probably the downside, right? There's not only the physical risk associated with that, especially for throwers, right? Tommy Johns, that kind of stuff, you know, wear and tear on the arms, but also just mental burnout. Can you can you talk about how you guys try to manage that with your athletes who've got so many balls in the air trying to prepare? Like, what's that look like? You know, how are they trying to, you know, how are you guys trying to help athletes manage that pushing really, really hard to get the work in, but also maybe not getting to the point where they're getting kind of run down mentally? Yeah, I think you gotta, you gotta manage each player. Certain guys have different workload capacity in what they can do. Obviously, as they start to, to mentally mature, right, and get deeper into their high school, they should be able to take on, you know, more of a, of a workload. Now, as far as multi-sport guys, obviously, you know, I think young guys before high school should play multiple sports, you know, learn how to, to move, learn how to be athletic. Those things are going to have a profound impact as you go forward. Certainly, there's been more specialization, just not in baseball, but across the sports spectrum uh, more than ever before. You know, for me, it's a situation we tell our guys all the time that as long as you're getting your work in and you're checking those boxes, that's good, right? I mean, uh, we have some guys who can play basketball and, you know, are pitchers and and can still get in the weight room three to four times a week and get their arm care in and and they're going to be okay. We have some guys that for me, and and this probably goes back, you know, to, to guys in the past that I've worked with that, I've chosen to play a second sport. And again, nothing wrong with that. I'm never going to tell a kid not to. But like I said earlier in the conversation, there's consequences for every decision. Maybe you could have been a, a Division One guy, but or something you weren't able to lift in the winter. You weren't able to make you know the jumps within your skill set. And now you're going to have a Division Three opportunity. And that's great. I mean, there's, there's a ton of great programs at that level. But, you know, if, if your goal and your expectation was to be a Division One guy, the workload has to meet those those aspirations. So, again, it gets back to time management and, you know, what your priority is. And it's about having that open dialogue with the kid and the family, making sure that they know how it all has to kind of line up for them to achieve certain goals. And, and we go from there. To answer your, your original question, burnout is a real thing, right? But I think at this point with what Sam and I are doing, you know, from a high school standpoint, you know, these guys are going all out right now. And and I think fairly or unfairly, that's what they need to do to get to the next level, right? And I think we had talked about this, Michael, over the summer, you know, and I and I said to you, I've shared some personal information. And I said, I wish I had, you know, met you years ago because as far as the burnout is concerned, I definitely experienced that with my with my oldest guy right? We pushed him. He pushed himself. And he wasn't really prepared for college baseball from the standpoint of, and I tell people this now, you know, he went to a high academic D3 school to play baseball. It was, it's a full-time job. And then you have to go to a high academic school. There's a lot going on there. And I don't know that he was fully prepared. And that's why I think what you're doing is so valuable. And I, I wish we had met you years ago before, because he was not prepared. You know, he played for two years, burnt out, knocked heads with the coaches a little bit and it just he felt like his time was done had he been better prepared maybe he would have been able to manage things a little bit better and really have his eyes opened as to what he was entering into when he was going through the recruiting process academics was a big priority for him he was a smart kid it was very important for my family and we just didn't know what we didn't know so i thought you know d3 baseball it was a little bit higher than like club baseball that that wasn't the case you know they trained like d1 programs there were 6 a.m lifts three or four days a week practices in the fall as many maybe not as many as D1 but a lot you know there were scrimmages there was nutrition things that they had to follow it was a full-time job and then he had to go and you know perform in the classroom at a high level it was a lot I mean, listen, motivation is something that I've studied quite a bit and it's not, a, it's not simple, right? You know, people talk about motivation when they think of motivation, they think, you know, you got to push somebody harder. That's, that's not what it is. It's like, you have to understand why you're doing what you're doing, which that's part of it. Right. But then there's other factors, right? There you've got parents who affect it. You've got coaches, right? If the coaches are not doing the right things to keep the kid motivated 
and the kids are results oriented and things aren't working out, then there's like a perfect storm of like, you know, I'm doing all this work, but why am I doing it now? Like I'm not getting the results that I want or this guy's beating up on me. So it is really tricky, right? And I think any kid who gets into the process probably wants to be great at this point, right? Otherwise they're just going to say, I don't want to do all this work. But even still, even those kids, you know, they're going to be bad days. You know, one of the things I talk to my athletes about is, you know, really loving the process. And I I, I was listening to a podcast with um, the Duke uh, pitching coach, uh, Dusty Blake. He was asked, um, Eric Cressy was the it was Eric Cressy podcast, which I love if you guys listen to it. But he said, you know, what's one book you tell your kids to read? And he says, it's a book called Chop Wood, Carry Water, which is basically about being committed to the process of greatness and being patient, even though you might not be getting the results you want. And I've passed that on to my kids because if you really want to do this, if you want to get to the major leagues, well, then you just got to keep doing the work. And if you don't want to do the work, that's okay. But to your point, Sam, there's a consequence. Once you stop doing that work, you're not going to get there. You're going to just get a regular job like everybody else and you're going to stop playing baseball. So it's up to you to decide, do I want to get there or do I just want to be like everybody else? And that's that's an individual choice at the end of the day. So I want to ask you guys about the coaches that you deal with or how what what's that look like, the relationship with the college coaches that you're helping your players get to know and what their expectations are of the athletes that they're looking to recruit? It's a good question. For us, you know, I've been fortunate that Coach Summerball for eight years and you know, got to meet a lot of coaches during that stretch been on you know the, the summer recruiting circuit for almost 10 years now and for me it's about providing the coaches as much information as we can so that they can make the decision videos metric testing just makeup of the kit right i think that's probably one of the most important things college coaches want to know is what kind of kid are they getting does he like to compete does he get to the weight room four to five times a week Right. They're trying to the baseball evaluation for college coaches. Easy. That's what they get paid to do. These are some of the best baseball people on the planet. They're really good at that. The things that are tougher are people part of it. Right. You know, what kind of kid am I getting? Those are things that we try and answer. And and that's part of the reason we want to build a great relationship with our players so that we can transcribe that information to the coaches that we're communicating with and making sure that we can help answer those questions and allow our guys to move forward in the recruiting process and and have coaches get great players that can help their program win games and you know, it's a nice continuous circle and, and everybody wins. I think that's the one thing I've learned a lot. I've learned about the recruiting process. It's so much of it is about transparency and trust, right? If a coach comes to you or comes to a high school coach and says, what do you think of this player? If you give a, you know, if you give a biased assessment of the kid and then you give him damaged goods, I mean, I want to say that's kind of a bad way to put it, right? But you, you give him a kid that's not what you said he is, then you're putting the kid in a position to fail and you're damaging your reputation. So it can, I would imagine it can be tricky, right? In terms of giving honest evaluations about kids and then passing those on to the kids to say, hey, like this is, you know, what you need to get better at. And this is what is expected and being able to say to the coach, no, I don't think he has that right now, but we're working on it. Yeah, absolutely. Had a, had a tough conversation with a college coach just last week. You know, he reached out about one of our players, wanted to know a metric and had it, had it out like it is. You know, certainly I think you know, coach will keep eyes on this kid going forward. We certainly, you know, we had already addressed this with the player family and he's working hard on it. And, and we expect to be, you know, in a better position as we get into the spring. And we could then go back to that coach and say, hey, look at the progress that the kid made. But yeah, we've got to be honest. I mean, obviously, we're the biggest fans of our players, but you know we're going to be good evaluators and make sure that we're giving the right information to the college coaches. That's that's imperative. What what I'll add to that is you know just working with Sam since the inception. You know he's let me kind of behind the curtain because Sam really does talk with the college coaches primarily, and he does it on a daily basis. I see how much he communicates with these guys, calls them, texts them. They trust his his word and they, they, they come to him and ask him, and I've heard it. They said, you know, Sam, if you were on my staff, would you bring this kid in? He wouldn't say yes, unless he really felt that way. And when we set this company up, like I said to you earlier, you know, we do the evaluation. And if we don't think that kid can play in college, we don't take them on. Like we've probably turned away half as many kids we've taken, right? So they know we're working with a select group of guys that we feel can play at college. Now, whether that be D3, D1 level, we talk to that player in that family. And if it lines up, we move forward. If it doesn't, then we don't. So college coaches know that. They know that we're working with quality kids and we're only bringing quality kids in. And so 
that that's going to go a long way too as we build this business. Well, I, and I appreciate that because so much of any relationship is fit, right? Like for me, a lot of times I'll talk to kids and their parents, you know, I'm on my investment up front because I tell parents all the time, like your kid's not a, if your kid's not a candidate for the process of what I'm doing and they're not committed to it and they're not into it, then you're just burning your money. You're burning your money, right? Like, and I don't want to be the one to just take your money and then have you bad mouth me because the kid didn't get anything out of it. Because at the end of the day, then it's like, it looks like I'm the one that's, and I say, listen, you know what? If your kid's on the fit, I'm going to tell you the truth because I don't want that reputation. I'm willing to walk away from a kid because it's just not worth it. You know, and I think that's a lot of, it's hard for people to understand that mentality sometimes because they think just business is business, but that's not, to me, that's not how I operate. And I think that sounds like how you guys do your business too, which I I really respect and appreciate because it is, it's important to have fit. There's multiple services out there. There's multiple mental performance coaches out there. If it's not a fit for your business model and your philosophy, it's okay to just part ways and move on. No doubt. And we we even go a step further. So we say right now, currently you're, you're not ready to enter the recruiting process. So we don't feel it's the best use of your money right now to, to sign up with us. So why don't you take that money and we'll give them a five-step plan or, or whatever, however many steps we feel that they need to take in order to get ready for the recruiting process. So we'll say, use your time, money, and energy, do these three steps, four steps, whatever it is, and then we'll circle back in four, five, six months and see if you're ready, see if you've done the work. And if you have, then we'll have that conversation. That's great. I love that because that's how you build relationships with people, right? You give them the plan, you give them the knowledge and and the direction and to see. And that's also a, a test to see if they're motivated to do the work. Because if they come back in six months and they've put on 20 pounds of muscle and your times have gone up or their velocity has gone up, then you can say like, hey, this kid's committed to the process. We'll take him on because we know he's going to do the work. No doubt about it. And the, And these parents they're willing to write that check. I mean, they, they, they've come with the check and, and we say, you know, you're not ready. Do this. You know, perfect example up here in Bird County, you know, a lot of kids train at RPP. We say, go see the guys at RPP. You need to be there four to five days a week. We talk to RPP probably four to five times a week and we'll check to see if they're there. And if they're there, that checks off one box. If they're working with the speed guy, if they're putting on weight, if they're putting on muscle mass, if those boxes get checked, then we'll have that conversation again four or five months down the road. But they do, they do appreciate the families do appreciate that. They see that we're in this for the long, you know, the long term. And it's not all about money. It's building the right business, right company, working with the best people. And, you know, they see that. It's really cool stuff. I guess as we're we're getting coming up on, you know, maybe an hour here. So try to wrap up a little bit. But I mean, if I had to ask or if you had to say, like, what are some sub suggestions that you have for parents and for athletes? in this process of recruiting? Like what are some of the things that they can do to put themselves in the best position to succeed? The most important thing you can do, I think as a parent, as a player, is surround yourself with really good people who are honest and transparent. That probably goes for most things in life, but I think it's definitely true for the recruiting process. Make sure that you have people in your circle that will tell you the hard facts and and will have that honest conversation with you. And and you might not like the content of that conversation, but hopefully at some point you'll appreciate it and you'll know that they have the best interests of your son at heart and that they're trying to set you up for success. At the end of the day, this is a 40-year process, right? When you talk about that degree and that education, and we can never lose sight of that. So that's always priority number one. If guys get an opportunity to play baseball beyond the four years of college, that's like the cherry on top. And we certainly want to maximize the baseball as well, but it's got to be a fit. Tell our guys all the time, you want to go to a place where you're not going to just wear the uniform, but you're going to get an opportunity to complete and play on the field. As Mark said, you know, he's been through it as a dad and seen his kids go through it, seen it time and time again. It's a, it's a job, right? 6 a.m. lifts, conditioning, practice, study hall. You're, there's a lot that goes into it. You want to have, you want to reap the reward and the ability to go out and, and compete with your teammates and, and try and win baseball games. So at the end of the day, it's all going to align back to the origins of the recruiting process and having good information and honest people around you that can put you on the right direction, a pathway towards fit and success. But I'll add to that. I, you know, I'll, I'll go one step further and, and, and add the educational side too. you know, for kids that are in high school right now, currently 
don't discount how important it is to have good grades because the better grades you have and the better test scores you have, that opens up more schools possibly, right? You don't want to close the door on, you know, the high academic schools, the Ivy League schools, just because you didn't work hard enough in the classroom. You want every opportunity because even those schools sometimes, even if you don't want to go there, say you're chasing a better baseball fit than academics. Well, if you have the academics chasing you, you know, you could use that as momentum maybe for another school. So work hard in the classroom. The better grades that you can get, the better your recruiting process will be or easier it'll be. You know, and prepare earlier for the SAT or the ACT. Get that knocked out early and get a good score. Yeah, I think it's pretty clear to me as as I learn more about this process. I mean, I'm I'm in this to help with that transition from high school to college. Part of that is understanding how this process starts and where it starts. And it's a super complex process, the recruiting process. It's not just complex from a rules and regulation standpoint. It's not just complex from a player development standpoint. There's also an emotional component, right? Like there's the 40 years after, right? Where am I going to go to college? You know, what's it going to mean for me long-term? You know, am I going to be happy? Are my parents going to be happy, right? So I have to imagine there's some of that as well for you guys dealing with the emotional side of things. How much do you see that in what you do in terms of whether it's with the athlete or the parent who's not getting the results that they want and they're coming back to you and you could tell they're just kind of getting wrapped up up into it? Like, what are some of the things they could do to kind of manage that process from, from where you see it? Yeah, there's definitely a lot of emotions that go into it. I would say that every recruiting process has some element. Obviously, some are more rocky and arduous than others, but at some point, there's going to be some stress that comes along from the most talented guys who are going to have tremendous, you know, options and, and, you know, multiple offers to the guys who are struggling at that time, you know, in place where they are currently. Not to get, you know, too stuck on a tagline, but trust the process. If you're around good people, things will happen. The timing for every player is going to be different. And it's not about when you commit. It's about finding the right place. And as long as you're continuing to do the work, continuing to stay positive, those things should come about. It's not a race, right? This isn't about the first guy to commit. It's about finding the best place for your future as a student athlete. So stay patient, keep working, make sure, again, can't harp on this enough, be around the right people, the right travel ball coaches, the right trainers, people that are giving you honest feedback so that you can have the right strategy in place. And then for me, the, the last part would be don't ever look at it from a compare. Everybody's process is different. So you can't ever come and look at it and say, well, hey, this worked for this. It's got to be the right fit for your family and your situation, academically, athletically, socially, geographically, financially. These are all different criteria and they mean different things to different families. So you, you can't look at the process from anybody else's perspective. You have to zero in on what those criteria mean to you and your given family and then go ahead and find the best fit for what you guys can do within your means. And for us, it's again, relationships, know how our families fit into those different areas and find them a home for their future. We're off to a great start. Are we gonna be perfect? And certainly not, but we're gonna be pretty darn close. And we're gonna to continue to work to achieve that every day for our players and feel really confident about the direction we're at. And I'll add to that, you know, with my two sons, they both committed late in the summer before their senior year in high school. So it was a long process and it was, you know, stressful at times. It was exciting at times. But I will tell you, when they both did finally figure out where they wanted to go to school, when they, they wound up committing to those schools, there was like a big relief, right? It was like a big weight was lifted off my shoulders that, you know, we got these kids to the finish line, they crossed the finish line, and it was kind of over. And then a new start was beginning, right? A new beginning was starting. We've gone through it now with seven of our players, and I feel like I've relived it all over again, you know, and, and every kid's experience was different but in the end the player and the families feel like these kids are in the right place and they're overjoyed and you know i got to live that again and that was great yeah the one thing i'll say too about the, the stressors of the recruiting process we just had this conversation with a family last week they're feeling a little bit of pressure not that they should i think they're in a really good place but i looked at the kid and said do you want a kid to commit tomorrow and the kid's ears perked up and he goes yeah i said all right we'll, we'll work on that but it might not be the place you want to go in order to find that right fit, sometimes you have to be patient. You have to let things play out. It's not just about, you know, committing. That The Instagram post looks really nice and the thousand likes that you get, you know, on IG is fun for about 24 hours. But then you kind of come to the realization, is this the best place for my future? And sometimes it just takes more time. And 
Um, at the end of the day, it's about getting to the finish line, not you know how quickly you can get there. I think trust the process can't ever be said enough. I think beating up the tagline is important. And I think, you know, like any other, any, anything else in life, right? If we want to achieve a result or we want to get better at something, it's a lot easier to do that with having somebody to hold us accountable and be objective. And that's really what I see you guys doing. Not only are you bringing knowledge to the process, but you're bringing an objectivity to the process and accountability to say, hey, just be patient because otherwise you're going to make a decision that maybe won't be the best fit for you long-term, even though you're thinking about it in terms of like a short-term outcome. And I think that that's, that's really, that's really valuable. Certainly for me, you know, when you get into that end game strategy where the kids thinking about pulling the trigger and committing to a school, always sit down with the family and make sure that their head is in the right place. And, you know, never want to make a decision for the kid and the family. That's not our role, but want to make sure that they have all the information at their disposal, that they feel really good about the decision that they're going to make. And that's why they're going to make it for the right reasons. And like I said, you know, as Mark said, we've got seven guys committed and feel, you know, when we got to that point in the process, each family had a great conversation and felt really good about the decision that they were going to make. And for us, that's, that's what it's all about. Well, okay. So this, this will be the last thing I ask you guys. So if there's one thing, right, there's just one thing that you had to leave those who are listening to the to podcast with, what would you say is that one thing that you think is the most important thing for a parent or, or an athlete to take away from what we talked about today? I think buy-in, right? We, we talked about it came up, you know, through a lot of the different talking points over the course of this hour conversation, but buying is huge, right? You got to live the lifestyle and, and, you know, your work ethic and your day-to-day habits have to meet the aspirations you have for your career and seek people who can help you do those things. But at the end of the day, your sweat equity is going to carry you. You got you to gotta rent that work ethic every day, 24 hours at a time, put the work in and get back after it tomorrow. And the guys who do that, regardless of, you know, whether it's Division One, Division Three, they're going to have a great opportunity. They're going to set themselves up with life skills that are going to transcend the playing field when they're done and they're going to be successful, you know, in their careers as family people and so on. So it's going to have a lifelong impact on you, but it starts with buying. Mark, you got anything? No, I have to, um, I have to agree with my partner there. I think buy-in and trusting the process once you buy in, you know, sums it all up for me. I think that's a great place to wrap it up. Before we do, guys, do you want to just tell everybody where they could find, find you guys on social media or your website? Yeah, sure. On social media, on Instagram at College Sports Advisors, on Twitter at CSA Advisors, uh, and the website is collegesportsadvisors.com. A lot of great information on the website. Gives you a little insight into what we do here at College Sports Advisors. There's some great blogs that are for free, great information about the recruiting process, different things that come about from a player and family perspective. So we certainly encourage everybody to check that out and uh, you know, see if they can learn a thing or two. Absolutely. Please, please check them out. I really appreciate both of you guys taking the time tonight to, uh, to speak with me. I love the conversation and I think there's probably more we could have covered. And so maybe it, it'll call for a second round in the future. Um, but it sounds like you guys have come a long way in the last, you know, eight months or so. And, uh, I just wish you all the success in the world and I appreciate you uh, taking the time out to join me today. Thank you, Michael. Really enjoyed it. Likewise, I thought this was awesome. So appreciate the time and and definitely would uh, love to have a conversation again in the future. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Take care, everybody. Thanks, guys. Mike Huber is the founder and owner of Follow the Ball Coaching located in Fairhaven, New Jersey. He is a mental performance coach and business advisor dedicated to serving athletes just like you reach their full potential on and off the court. The Freshman Foundation is all about helping you get to the next level. For more information, follow along on Instagram at The Freshman Foundation. Please subscribe. Give us a like on iTunes, Spotify, leave a review, tell a friend. Most importantly, come back in two weeks. Ready? to get better.